Daily news and analysis. We keep you informed and inspired. This is World Today. China's top leadership has held a meeting to analyze the current economic situation and laid out a roadmap to guide economic work for the second half of the year. What are the priorities? Welcome to Broad Today, the panel discussion with me, Anna. We're coming to you from our studio in Beijing. China's top leadership, the political bureau of the Communist Party of China Central Committee, has convened a crucial meeting this week. The meeting analyzed the current economic challenges and agreed on a complex external environment. They also put forward various work arrangements, including strengthening counter-cyclical adjustments, boosting domestic demand, and utilizing both overall and structural monetary policy tools. The world's second-largest economy secured a 5.5% GDP expansion in the first half of the year. The IMF projected China's economy will expand 5.2% this year. Then how will China's economy develop in the remainder of the year? What are the priorities of the Central Committee's plan? To delve into this and more, joining us in the studio is Dr. Zhou Mi, Senior Research Fellow with the Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation. Thanks for coming all the way to join us in the studio. It's so great to come back to the studio again. Thanks. And we are also joined on the line by Dr. Yao Shujie, Chongkong Professor of Economics at Chongqing University. Great to have you on our show. Uh, yes, Anna. And Dr. Ilaf Allard, Associate Professor of Practice in Economics and Core Faculty Member at the Center for Data Science and AI at New York University, Shanghai. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. So first of all, Dr. Jeremy, let me begin with you. How would you interpret the overall tone of the meeting and the language it uses? Um, how much confidence does the Central Committee have towards China's economic outlook? I think that the first of all, we know that China is facing a lot of challenges. Actually, I think from this meeting, that it's trying to uh, have a, a very clear signal that China is not so, you know, struggling in the difficulties. While we still have some confidence in the first half of the year, we know that if we are trying to speed up our trunk from a steel status, we have to s- slowly uh, speed up. We cannot just uh, move it uh, to 100 kilometers per hour from uh, the beginning. So it needs some. Time, but actually, we are trying to do something to improve the overall performance by the coordination of the different factors. Mm-hmm. Dr. Yao Shujie, how do you look at the language and the overall tone of the meeting? Um, I think the tone is very determined um, and very confident uh, because the first half of the year performance is actually quite important. We achieved 5.5% with quite a, a significant achievement given the internal and the external uh, circumstances. And the Politburo is trying to give confidence to all levels of the government, uh, the enterprises and the, and the consumer, the people, that China can make the goal this year about 5%. And the second half of the year, although uh, there are challenges, but the central government as well as the local government are highly confident. Mm-hmm. Dr. Ilaf Allard, what's your take? Uh, what message do you get from the meeting of China's economic outlook? Uh, given the actions of uh, easing uh, that have been taken in the past uh, few months already, I think uh, the latest uh, meeting is signaling also uh, the verbal recognition of uh, the seriousness of the challenge, which probably would suggest that more measures, uh, both fiscal as well as monetary, uh, monetary policy measures, um, are likely to come. So I think the uh, economic managers are recognizing and acknowledging uh, the challenges to the uh, cyclical, um, if you like, up, uh, upswings and downswings, the waves that uh, maybe we will uh, talk about later. Mm-hmm. Dr. Ilaf Alad, the meeting indicates that since the beginning of this year, the national economy has continued to recover and the overall recovery is marked as good by the meeting. And China secured a 5.5% GDP expansion in the first half of the year. So based on what had been said, how do you rate China's economic performance for the first half of the year? 
So I think uh, the context of this is always uh, last year, where uh, overall in aggregate, uh, there was uh, 3% uh, growth in the Chinese economy, and now the target is five. So relative to that, um, we already um, acknowledged by, if you like, the um, economic managers that we should expect um, a higher growth rate, but not as high as, uh, let's say, five or 10 years ago. Uh, given this, uh, so we can look at the uh, performance either on an annual uh, mm-hmm. compared basis or a month-to-month basis. So if, for example, we look at uh, uh, retail sales or industrial production, um, retail sales um, have uh, increased, but uh, they have increased at a lower rate than expected. Um, industrial production um, has also increased, but then in the last uh, part of the first quarter, mm-hmm. um, it started to decline. So I think um, um, I think the clearest picture is in the property market where um, the start of new housing um, has uh, exhibited a, uh, a reduction. So I would say in, in general, I think the first half uh, compared with the year before, uh, it is an improvement. But I think the statement from uh, the, uh, the latest quarterly meeting suggests mm-hmm. that the first half year performance is not sufficient because otherwise there would not be a recognition uh, by the central committee about uh, the policy measures to be taken. So I would say that uh, the job uh, is still in progress to be, if you like, improved further. Mm-hmm. Dr. Zhongmi, do you share the same stance? How do you rate the, uh, China's economic performance in the first half of the year? Actually, if we are trying to look at the performance, we should try to think from two different levels. Mm-hmm. The first one is uh, how about uh, the increase, I mean, for the GDP, for the import and export, and also for the investment. If we are seeing the status, these actually are not performing that great. But actually, when we are talking about from another level, we mm-hmm. need to consider about the inflation, something uh, which is a deduction of the uh, GDP uh, growth. So uh, this inflation performance is uh, quite stable in the past, maybe not only one year or even longer. So in this regard, if we're trying to combine these two kinds of factors together, I still believe that the first half of this year is China's economy is performing okay and not so great, but actually it's over over speed than many of our expectations for the first half of this year. Mm-hmm. Dr. Yao Shujie, what's your take? Uh, Dr. Zhongmi mentioned two different levels to evaluate uh, China's economic performance for the first half of the year. What's your take? How has China's economy performed? Uh, in my view, I think it's performed quite com- uh, confidently because mm-hmm. if we look at the early part of the, this year, we still have a problem of the pandemic, uh, you know, contingents across the country. And actually, the, the country has facing uh, two challenges. One is to uh, resume the normal uh, normality of the national economy. The other is the external uncertainty about international trade. And, and also domestically, there's a long-lasting issue about structural adjustment, especially the housing uh, market at the moment. So uh, achieving 5.5% uh, I think it's quite enormous. Mm. Uh, although um, I recognize some difficulty, and the difficulty, first of all, is the recovery from the pandemic. Secondly, is the uh, external, uh, you know, environment which still very unsettled, and also internally, uh, I think lots of enterprises have suffered quite a, a long time during the pandemic, so they require time for recovery, and this is why. Uh, I think it's not an easy achievement. Mm-hmm. Dr. Yao Shujie, the 5.5% growth rate in the first half of the year outpaced many other uh, major economies like the United States, Japan, and the Eurozone. What are the key factors that contributed to this faster-than-expected economic recovery in China, especially I, amid the challenges posed by Ukraine or uh, energy crisis, etc.? Yes, I think the, the first fundamental is that China's domestic economy is fairly resilient to this external shock because the internal circulation of the economy. The size of the Chinese domestic market is huge. 
so it is able to absorb other lots of shock from outside, and that's one thing. The second thing is China uh, is now driven by a lot of new industry, especially uh, you know the emerging industry uh, driven by digital economy, uh, you know new energy um, and, and motor vehicle, and also the you know high tech manufacturing. So China is now uh, you know at the point of uh, fairly pro- progressive technological progress, uh, driving up the industrial transformation uh, for not only the traditional industry, but also the new industry has provided a lot of growth momentum. So these are the are the good points. Of course, um, you know people always mention about the challenges, but compared to the major economy in the world. Uh, for example, like the United States, Europe, and Japan, mm-hmm. even South Korea, uh, and and our uh, you know Taiwan province, and they all face a uh, lots of challenges, uh, particularly you know driven by the uh, Russian-Ukraine crisis, the energy crisis, but the Chinese uh, energy uh, you know supply in China is surprisingly stable. The prices are stable. And also, food prices are stable. At the Politburo meeting, uh, I think uh, the leader emphasized mm-hmm. uh, the, the security of energy and gram and food. So these are very important. It laid a very solid foundation because the Chinese CPI, you know, the key indicator of inflation, uh, is staying at a very low level. And um, the CPI in other countries, for example, like in the United States, even with a sequence of uh, interest rises, uh, it's still uh, more than three percent. And in the UK, uh, where I have some personal uh, living experience, mm-hmm. uh, the prices are extremely high, and people are really suffering. So compared to uh, this traditional industrialized economy, China is doing spectacularly well. Doctor Ilafalad, comparing to the Uh, major economies like the United States, Japan, and the Eurozone, what are the factors contributed to China's economic recovery? Uh, yeah, so I think in in general, it tends to be the case that uh, credit conditions in the past uh, two decades have been extremely important as a co-movement uh, factor with mm-hmm. uh, Chinese uh, economic growth. And um, this obviously, the credit conditions have uh, have tightened uh, prior to this uh, calendar year, uh, but they have been already eased, uh, both in terms of the uh, the central uh, central um, interest rates, but also the uh, restrictions on the the property sector that will feed via the central bank interest through to the property sector via banks, and. Um, but that, uh, regardless, that is just a cyclical factor uh, that is driving um, economic growth in China. I think the structural factors, um, and I think one of your um, other uh, panelists has um, alerted uh, this fact that the uh, structural uh, industrial transformation um, is one of the things that is driving, um, has been driving a lot of the recent growth in China. And uh, we can mention a lot of the industries that uh, China is known for now in the West, mm-hmm. um, that is uh, much more capital intensive, for example, EVs, as well as, uh, for example, um, internet platforms um, th- that are, if you like, now contributing a lot to economic growth. And in the West, um, that, uh, feel like these new industries have uh, not played a significant role, um, but now because of the reindustrialization of the West, um, that is something that uh, probably will contribute to growth in the Western economies also. Mm-hmm. Dr. Mi, what's your observation? What are the main factors contributing to the economic recovery in China? Will those factors continue to drive the recovery in the second half? If I want to explain this uh, phenomenon, I would use two words. Mm-hmm. The first one is uh, changed. We know that China has changed our policy to do with uh, COVID at the beginning of this year. If we are observing many economies, including Vietnam and also many other countries, when they change their policies, there will be some impact on the economy to have a better and stronger 
development or recovery. Well, this is definitely one of the uh, factors we have to make in the judgment of uh, recovery. And the second is unchanged. I would say mm -hmm. that China's government are more experienced compared with many Western governments on dealing with uh, the situation in its own economy. So in this regard, I believe that uh, we know uh, what the markets really want and we're working hard with the market with the different enterprises and trying to address their problems. So in this regard, I would say that this is a combined combination of the two words of the policies. But I have to say that China is a very strong and big economy. We are not trying to stay in the places where always uh, why, uh, always where we are. Actually, we are trying to change the conditions. And that is definitely some new things we have to take into consideration because the world are needing us uh, as uh, the world's largest uh, trade partners in the world and also the very big investors. We have to try to work not only for, from our own angle, we cooperate with many other countries. So in this regard, I would say that uh, it's uh, you know the combination of the efforts by different sectors, different uh, levels of uh, the economies that working together to have such a, a performance. And uh, it is also some of the things we, we can understand that for our larger economy like China, we have many spaces. So in this regard, we're not trying to follow or to return the track of development before the comment. Mm -hmm. We are trying to make some new tracks. And in these tracks, maybe no countries have ever done very good experience before, but uh, we are trying to explore more things by the development of uh, uh, the tolerance culture and also to improve their uh, flexibilities on the efforts to uh, develop more things. As you know, today I just uh, noticed that uh, in Beijing, in this city, we are trying to give more authorities to some unmanned or you know autopilot mm -hmm. uh, cars or vehicles to clean our streets. It's a kind of new experiment and we are giving them permit to, to try to explore the more abilities and the more applications well based on these innovations uh, and from not only the hardware but from the service and softwares. Mm -hmm. To be more flexible when facing a changing world, Dr. Zhou Mi, at the meeting there was a statement that attracted much attention. Uh, it notes that uh, China's post-pandemic recovery is a wave-like progress, uh, with the country's long-term sound economic fundamentals remaining unchanged, as you mentioned earlier. What's your understanding of the term wave-like recovery? What has prompted the phenomenon? I think that it's a, it's a kind of rules that economies are facing. There are always be cycles. So in sometimes when the countries are feeling better, it will collect different advantages trying to support this recovery. When they are facing many challenges and it cannot deal with this problem, this will go into a downward cycle. So we know that every all the countries cannot just move in, in one direction. We are having to prepare not for the better time, but also for some worst time. So in this regard, I think that it's remind us that even we're in the in the time that's not so good, we should not try to stop there. We should try to understand the situation and trying to find better factors we can support for the upward of the change of the economy. Well, if we are in the peak time, we should not try and just stay there because many countries are always trying to compete with us. It's not a bad thing. But I have to say that uh, when we are trying to make our leading positions in the development of the economy, we should try to work harder trying to find some innovative ways of recovery. So in this regard, it's a, it's a kind of uh, things that uh, we should bear in our mind, not only for the government official, but also to make it uh, very clear signals to be heard by the enterprises and the market. Mm -hmm. Dr. Yao Shujie, because many experts expected a direct bounce back to the point uh, before the pandemic, but uh, we are actually witnessing a wave-like progress, a wave-like recovery. What's your understanding of the term? Yeah, the, the wave-like, it, it actually in a Chinese way, is a, uh, a very clear philosophical uh, description mm -hmm. of how China's economy performance is not actually uh, smooth in a way across the board uh, because um, uh, in, you have to recover uh, some uh, sector and then some sectors are still suffering but then you recover some other sector uh, because China's economy is so diversified 
you've got the state sector, the private sector, and also different industries, um, the traditional industry, the new industry. So some industries, some sector may perform better and run ahead. And and the other sectors, they may require time to recover. So it's, it's just like the wave. You know, some wave move uh, forward and the other wave just follow. Um, and it, until all the waves are moving ahead, then you can have a very peaceful uh, water water service. That means that the economy would be uh, on on track to become a very healthy condition. And because the pandemic already just finished less less than six months, so the wave line means that China's economy fully recovered to normality may require more than six months, maybe some more time to come. And even in the second half of the year, we can still see some sector. Uh, some uh, particular reason they may be still be lagging behind. So they are lagging behind as the later way to move up. Uh, so um, it, the, the government said that 5%, actually it is quite, um, you know, cautiously setting uh, rather than fully aggressively setting because of the wave life situation that we just described because the economy cannot fully recover in a very short time, put it that way. Mm-hmm. Dr. Lafalad, uh, how do you view this? How has the economic recovery reflected this phenomenon, wave-like recovery progress? Uh, yes, to uh, if like a technical um, audience, um, a wave uh, might seem to be uh, an interesting way to talk about the economy. It mm-hmm. might not be very technical, but however, in economics, actually, there's a long tradition uh, to use metaphors to describe uh, economic phenomena, not since uh, Adam Smith's uh, so-called uh, hidden hand, but for example, the the fact of using uh, water um, as a uh, analogy to the economy is something that uh, actually, for example, harks back even to French economists that describe the economy as, I feel like, a water pumping mechanism and monetary policy uh, is uh, helping to pump, uh, I feel like, money throughout uh, all the uh, different pipes in the economy. So in that sense, um, using uh, the wave as a metaphor, I think it is uh, it is not uh, it is not outside of the tradition of economists when we are talking here about uh, economics. So I think wave, um, you can understand it as a situation as um, it is not a one-off uh, constant um uh, if you like effect, but it comes in waves. That is, uh, the recovery uh, will not be a one-off change, but it will come in uh, cycles, as one of your panelists has uh, mentioned. Um, this is like the the cyclical interpretation of this word, uh, this metaphor of the wave. Mm-hmm. Um, besides this, I would like to expand this, uh, because besides these so-called mechanical waves, you can actually have waves also if uh, there's uh, changes in gravitation. And this is what uh, one of your other um, panelists uh, referred to. Um, as China um, is uh, changing its um, economic structure and intensifying, for example, the move towards these uh, new higher value uh, added um, industries such as EVs, uh, 5G, mobile phones and so on, uh, and now also semiconductors and so on, you could say that the the recovery is not just a cyclical process, but it's also the adjustment on the back of the last uh, three plus years, uh, both of the trade war as well as of COVID, which is connected to uh, supply chain uh, slicing and deglobalization plus decoupling. Mm-hmm. So you can say that this recovery is not just a cyclical recovery, but underneath um, there's also a intensification of uh, the, shi- the, the shift in the um, economic structure of the Chinese economy uh, towards, for example, more self-reliance, as well as to, uh, feel like, doubling down on these uh, new industries um, that previously was not, uh, feel like, as clear, um, if you like, a source of economic growth. But now, since that um, export-led growth um, uh, and uh, the intensification of globalization has been um, muted or reduced. Thanks, gentlemen. Yeah. You are listening now. Spro today. We'll be back. I am Dan Wang. 
Chief Economist of Hang Seng Bank China. The World Today is a real fun program. You will hear interesting people discussing global trend, economic event, what's happening in and outside of China. So, friends around the world, hope you can join us. Welcome back to Road Today with me, Anna, in Beijing. In the first half of the program, we analyze the current status of the Chinese economy, its challenges, and what's behind these issues. I think it's fair to say that although the general trend of the recovering and rebooting of the economy is well underway, the government is rather clear-eyed about both the symptoms and causes of the challenges ahead. So, what are the prescriptions, and where will the Chinese economy? be headed in the latter half of the year. Let's find out more in the next half with Dr. Zhao Mi, Senior Research Fellow with the Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation, Dr. Yao Shujie, Chongkong Professor of Economics at Chongqing University, and Dr. Ilaf Alad, Associate Professor of Practice in Economics and a core faculty member at the Center for Data Science and AI at New York University, Shanghai. Dr. Ila Falad, we've been talking about the wave-like recovery of Chinese economy. Would you like to finish your point? Yes, thank you. Uh, just to um, quickly just summarize the the points that we were just speaking about. Um, a wave, on the one hand, you can just imagine as the wave is hitting the shore. So uh, the the wave is um, is as, as one of your panelists suggested is not. A unit. Uh, I feel like it doesn't happen in a unit, but it is. Uh, um, it happens over time, and there might be cycles to it. So the recovery will not happen in one quarter or in the first half of the year, but it will take uh, several quarters, and the size of the recovery will not be exactly the same. There will be also ups and downs in the strength of the recovery. And the second point I just mentioned is um, waves can also be uh, understood not just as a mechanical wave that uh, you can see typically in the river or on the uh, on in the ocean, but also as a gravitational uh, wave in terms of physics, in a sense that when there's an object and it changes the gravitation in a space, it can also create waves in terms of attraction and distraction. And I would like to bring this in because China obviously now in 2023 is not just going through a cyclical uh, recovery because uh, that is at the back of a structural transformation of the Chinese economy that has um, always occurred uh, in the modern Chinese economy. But in addition, it is also at the, uh, against the backdrop of huge changes um, in the external environment, both the trade war, COVID, de- uh, de-risking, deglobalization, efforts to decouple, plus um, the uh, European uh, situation about the Ukraine, Russia, and so on. So these things make... Uh, the Chinese recovery uh, much more uh, complex than just mm-hmm. talking about, for example, an ordinary um, upswing in GDP. Mm-hmm. Dr. with your explanation of the wave-like recovery, as we discussed, uh, this year China has set a GDP growth target of 5%, the lowest in a quarter century. Some considered it conservative, while others worry that the looming global economic downturn will jeopardize China's ability to reach this target. So what are your thoughts on the feasibility of achieving this target given the wave-like recovery we experienced in the past six months and the prescriptions given by the uh, central leadership? Uh, Yes, if I just uh, um, make a quick uh, point on this one. Um, Since uh, 2010, uh, the target has more or less been achieved uh, for the past, uh, well, uh, 20, uh, sorry, 10 10 years or so. So in in addition, um, analysts in the industry and investment banking, they also expect that the five year, uh, sorry, the 5% target is not um, unrealistic, meaning that it is more likely than not to be uh, achieved. Um, so I think that is um, 
something uh, quite remarkable still, given that the external environment mm. has not been uh, kind, given, the, for example, the UK, Ukraine, the European uh, situation, plus a lot of uh, climate change-related external shocks um, that in research have been shown to affect uh, China via uh, the trade channel and the confidence channel a lot. So I think uh, 5%... Uh, seems to be the uh, consensus estimate uh, rather than, uh, if you like, a very pessimistic or uh, optimistic estimate. Mm-hmm. Dr. Jomi, what are your takes on the feasibility of achieving this 5% target? Okay, I think that 5% is uh, not a very small number for us to observe because China has a, such a large economy scale. But if we are trying to reach that goal, it's not that difficult because, you know, when they set this goal, it's not decided by just uh, some persons. It has many rounds of discussion with the related uh, stakeholders, including different provinces. Actually, if we are trying to have some kind of, uh, you know, to description of this process, like all the uh, 30, more than 30 independent uh, part of China are trying to to set up their goals. And when they came to the, the leaderships, they are trying to discuss whether we can reach the goals by not only to, to, to add them or sum up uh, all these numbers together. We are trying to also to interact between them, trying to integrate between these uh, so many different uh, uh, regions and provinces. So it's a kind of thing that we, it will improve the abilities by uh, by not only uh, to, to, to make better of what they can do, but to trying to provide them with better environment and platform. Well, this is from uh, the, the first level. And if we are looking from the second, mm-hmm. we know that the world is changing. The, the change of the world is uh, also requiring the attitudes of certain economies, especially the most important ones. So China is uh, discussing many possibilities. We can find that in the different mechanism in G20, in APEC, in BRICS, and also in many uh, platforms like in WTO. Many of the countries are already making some progress on the better mechanism, like the rules, like the different mechanism to support the development of e-commerce and related activities. So in this regard, I would see that uh, if we are trying to look at the, the number, it's not only from the static ones. We should using a dynamic mm-hmm. angles to trying to describe or imagine what will happen if we are allowed to, to put more strength. I think that the integration of Chinese domestic market is very strong to support us to reach that goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Yao many experts mentioned this recovery should not be viewed through an old-fashioned lens. So uh, do you share the same stance on the feasibility of reaching a 5% growth? I'm actually quite uh, optimistic. I think the, the 5% target is um, quite a realistic one. It won't be too difficult to achieve, although uh, uh, we, we already recognize there are uh, many challenges and constraints. So uh, given the first half is 5.5 percent, mm-hmm. I think the second half we we don't need to do uh, more than 5 percent to achieve 5 percent. So um, it's just the simple number alone is not too complicated. Although uh, some underlying challenges quite uh, significant, for example, uh, investment by the private sector and the momentum of consumption, whether it can be continued. And also the, the the international trade, the housing market, and so on and so forth. So it, it's it's not an impossible task, but it's not an easy uh, job either. So it means that um, the Politburo meeting uh, meeting have to call for attention, and also immediate action or policy, uh, you know, measures to boost, uh, you know, output in every sector of the economy not only in the domestic uh, industry, but also uh, in the international trade. And also stability of the RMB exchange rate is also very important. Uh, Not only the domestic growth of 5% is important for China, uh, but the exchange rate stability, that means that in comparison of China with the largest economy, the United States, would be also another dimension. And they concern many economists in the country. So uh, confidence has um, have to be multidimensional. I mean, domestic economy, we've got to have uh, built up the dynamism 
the momentum for continuing growth and uh, boosting the sector that we want to boost, and also uh, you know conservation of the environment. Externally, we want to stabilize the international trade with the major economy and diversify into the bell and low in, uh, country also. So there are tasks. I mean, uh, if this task can be performed to the expectation, the 5% disclosed is, is highly achievable. Mm-hmm. Dr. Jeremy, would you like to weigh on this? Yeah, I think that uh, if you are trying to only look at the number, I think it's not so difficult to reach. But the main point is not just the number. Actually, we're trying to improve the development quality of the economy. So it means that we still are trying to do more, not only to reach the GDP growth rate, but trying to make it uh, more substantial or trying to support our target to reaching the low carbon development or uh, many other goals. So that is uh, more challenging for us. Then, Dr. Jeremy, what factors do you believe could influence the country's economic growth trajectory in the second half of the year? Actually, we are facing many challenges. I think that at least three of them are very important. The first one is many we should try to do and act for the same direction. That is uh, kind of what we have learned in the past. So if we cannot just try to do that, maybe the, the abilities of recovery will be weakened. And second is, if we are trying to develop the new things like for the AI or, for, or low carbon development, we should try to not only think about the certain sector separately, because it is a change of the overall performance of the economy from the infrastructure to the financial areas to the manufacturing. We should cover those things and trying to provide a better mechanism like for the laws and regulations to give some tolerance for the development or even the failure in some cases. And the third one, we have to try to cooperate with many other countries because not all the countries are doing the same thing. So if we are going to, to do this, I don't think that China can do it alone. We have to try to find some better solutions, mm-hmm. which will not only address the leading economies, but also the least developed countries and many other developing countries. And also we see many trips made by global business leaders to China over the past few months. Dr. Jomi, when facing the challenges, some say they are considered having confidence in China's growth potential. And during the meeting, restoring confidence and the meeting expectations were highlighted. So in your opinion, what exactly are the expectations for both the general public and the business community worldwide? Actually, for the general public, we, we should see some data to have a better confidence, like from the capital market, like for a better employment and also for the income increase. So uh, the general public, they are um, much diversified. I mean, they are having different targets, like for their own families, for from their friends, their employers. So we should try to make them think that the, the culture is uh, promoting the better innovation abilities of the society and it's getting Getting the market bigger and bigger, not only in China but also in the world, we have more friends. Well, if we are looking at uh, from a uh, you know from the market or enterprises levels, they need more uh, specific requirement like for a certain uh, kind of environment and uh, like the regulation. Not only trying to reduce their abilities to get better financed, but also reduce their uh, you know, uh, the impact from the other re- factors like from the Federal Reserve, they increase mm-hmm. the interest rate or some protagonism that is very harmful for them to expand their market in foreign markets. Mm-hmm. Dr. what are your thoughts? How do you look at the expectations from both the general public and the business community on Chinese growth potential and market? I think if you look at the statement of uh, the committee's meeting, um, it's uh, it is the case that uh, a lot of, uh, if you like, a law bashing that is uh, everyday people's concern uh, mm-hmm. um, in some uh, some parts of uh, the communication were addressed in terms of, for example, uh, making uh, employment uh, positions more stable. Um, uh, I think, for example, the uh, points that is often talked about in some other parts of like the the media for example unemployment among the youth i think that is something that is uh, slightly exaggerated because if mm-hmm. you look at for example uh, youth unemployment in 
the international context, uh, China is not an outlier. China is uh, well within kind of the the average youth unemployment, although cyclically relative to its own terms, it is higher than it used to be in the past couple of years. Uh, but nonetheless, um, I think general uh, uh, general. Uh, confidence is boosted by uh, the uh, committee's, uh, if you like, language, uh, partly reflecting not just, um, for example, macroeconomic analysts' concerns about the Chinese economy, but also like the, uh, if you like, everyday people's concerns in, t- in terms of, make, as I mentioned, uh, making employment more stable, mm-hmm. um, but also encouraging people to uh, spend um and that is something uh, that would suggest um, it would gives confidence to if you like the domestic audience uh, from the from the Western audience. I think that um, in the Western audience, the Western audience is not that homogenous. And in the West, there's probably uh, all kinds of different constituents, some of which uh, uh, read the measures kindly and the other ones uh, uh, read them, if you like, not as optimistically. Uh, but no, I think, nonetheless, if you look at uh, Western investment banks, how they have been reported to communicate with the investors about the recent measures is that, uh, as we just talked about, the 5% measure is likely uh, mm-hmm. to be achieved. And the fact that uh, China is taking the, um, eco- if you like, the economic um, recovery seriously is interpreted, uh, at least so far, as an indication that um, there is more fiscal as well as monetary policy stimulus coming forward. Okay, mm-hmm. that is important because uh, what could have happened, and this is, if you like, the alternative scenario, which has not, as least as uh, as far as I can see, is has happened, is sometimes it is the case when monetary policy or fiscal policy makers um, are suggesting uh, we they are responding to an economic downturn or they're trying to boost the uh, recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it is interpreted as that the managers uh, signal that it is worse than actually is perceived. But in this case, at least as far as I can see it, um, the uh, signaling is interpreted as the uh, policy, fiscal and monetary policy to be forthcoming rather than uh, the policy of risks in the recovery being indicative of the managers revealing information that prior to the announcements was not already priced into the markets. Okay, that's uh, something from, if you like, macroeconomic uh, analysis in that sense that this was not a, uh, a negative shock of revealing information. Mm-hmm. Dr. Yao Shujie, do you see these signals? What are the main outcomes of this meeting that you felt were especially comforting for those who are seeking confidence? Yeah, I... I, I think domestically, uh, uh, as far as I know, lots of people feel that this meeting not only uh, announced that China is able to achieve the growth target, they certainly give uh, confidence domestically. And externally, um, you, you can see that um, a cross-border investment uh, between China and the rest of the world is very stable and still growing. That means China is still uh, a good place for foreign investors. So uh, big multinational company, I think they have uh, strong uh, confidence in the Chinese economy for not only for now, but also for the future. And China's investment outside is also very steady. So that means that external, uh, externally, despite uh, the issue that we mentioned, uh, which is beyond the control of China, but China's economic performance actually gives quite a lot of confidence for external investors and multinational companies. Uh, one thing translated into the domestic market, uh, it's good that the government recognize some challenges, for example, uh, like the weakness of consumption and also uh, a, you know, the lack of investment in some particular sector, uh, the housing market and so on. They, they pointed out very bluntly they don't actually try to hide anything. Mm. And because precisely they don't hide anything, they give confidence to the people. Uh, first of all, uh, they, they think the central government is really aware of the issue. And secondly, there will be some policy instruments that could be lowered out if necessary 
uh, to uh, sustain the kind of economic growth level that China wants to achieve. So overall, I think at the middle of the year, uh, the, 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 the all runway confidence is still there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, without recognizing the difficulty, it's not a pro- it's not a try to avoid the problem, but it's actually trying to tackle the problem. In another way, tackling the problem also gives confidence for the people and for investors. Then, Dr. Yao Shudia, based on the priorities outlined by the meeting, what are the most promising sectors for the second half of the year? The most promising sector is still manufacturing. And I think the government also trying to stabilize the housing market, although the housing market at the moment is is on a very uh, logic uh, structure adjustment. Uh, and more importantly, I think to maintain a high level of employment, because employment will also boost people's income. And boost people's income, it means that uh, there will be more demand in the market. And China nowadays, you know, over, uh, you know, almost... Um, 65% of the economy growth comes from consumption. So making sure that people's income growth is very steady and also employment is steady is very important. And these are the sectors that the government is paying attention to. In the meeting, there's also uh, some mentioning about you know, paying more attention to high-level, uh, high-quality social services. For example, like health care, uh, like the, uh, education, and also infrastructure, and also, uh, you know, pension, and so on, rural uh, generation, modernization of the countryside. So the government recognized quite a lot of areas that can be done to boost the economy. And more importantly, uh, to increase the quality of social economy development. Nowadays, China is not simply look for the growth rate. I think it's more important to look for the quality of the growth and the national economy, mm-hmm. particularly the, the people's likelihood. Mm-hmm. And they got to be improved over time without sacrificing uh, the natural environment. And this this is the uh, uh, policy direction. It is very clear for not only the central government, but also at the local level. Dr. Zhou Mi, Dr. Yao mentioned manufacturing is the most promising sector in the second half of the year. Do you see it that way? Yeah, actually, uh, you know, in China's government logic, it's a really uh, kind of a logic, I have to say, that if we are trying to deal with a problem, we are not only address certain kind of area, even for the manufacturing. I agree with uh, Professor Yao that uh, the manufacturing is our basis of development. But if we are trying to address only one problem, so we are doing trying to improve the systematic environment for that. So in this regard, I think that uh, many of the Chinese advantages coming from the capacities in the supply chain, in the global supply chain. In, even in the reconstructing of the global sap, uh, supply chains, China's are still in the advantages to not only stay in the traditional ways, but trying to ex- expand more high-end or new ways of uh, development. So in this regard, I think that uh, manufacturing would be important and it's still uh, one of the, the important things for for not only for the export but also for the import from many other countries and in this regard manufacturing is definitely one of the priorities but we are trying to improve the status of competitiveness by the cooperation with the service trying to improve its uh, embedding uh, of uh, the data, abilities, technology, even the AI. So it's a, it's a kind of a very priority area. Mm-hmm. Dr. Ilafalad, what sectors do you see as the key drivers of China's transformation in the years to come, uh, especially as an expert for data science and AI? Do you see a promising future in this realm? Um, I think in terms of um, the previous uh, panelists that are just uh, mentioning um, manufacturing, I think that yes, indeed, that it has been uh, one of the key drivers um, for um, for economic growth uh, via the channel of uh, accumulation of capital and, um, and fixed investment. And um, in addition to this, um, I would say a more advanced type of electronics um, and hardware, including the more advanced, for example, semiconductors and everything around that, that is uh, something that is um, a sector that 
not cyclically just in the next uh, couple of quarters, but in the next few years and decades will, um, if you like, gather more investment. Again, as we discussed, it is at the backdrop of uh, also the changing international environment. I, I take a slightly more uh, maybe pessimistic outlook on terms of rebuilding of supply chains uh, in, the, in the sense that um, I don't think we will get back to the situation of uh, supply chains prior to, let's say, prior to 2016 and uh, before that. Um, I think it's probably a structural break that will be hard to uh, reverse, but that is actually a um, taken as a if you like, positive stimulus for the domestic Chinese manufacturing, not just to export, uh, not just to manufacture for export, but also for domestic consumption. And um, then the other point, and this uh, just the last uh, quick point is, uh, when we, um, I think as uh, was mentioned by your first panelist, uh, Professor Yao, uh, about uh, consumption, and I think um, in your second panelist also, uh, in terms of high quality uh, consumption, consumption in the sense of um, uh, as related to the quality of growth, um, in the sense that some consumption does not um, add a lot to medium and long term growth, but some other forms of consumption uh, does. And for example, in the form of government consumption, uh, when, it, uh, when it comes to fiscal spending on, for example, healthcare, which uh, erases for example, the human capital uh, of the population, as well as uh, government consumption or in individual cons consumption of education services. This is uh, a consumption that is uh, um, has a lot of spillovers, feedback effects, and that consumption is different from the type of consumption that typically is discussed in, if you like, uh, the if you like in you know non non expert uh, media uh, when they talk about the Chinese economy shifting to consumption. Uh, of course, we can think uh, this is you know Chinese people buying luxury goods or spending more on everyday items and uh, Starbucks coffee and so on. But actually, um, now that it has been mentioned in terms of the quality of growth, that adds a uh, qualifier to what type of consumption um, is to be encouraged. And it is not just from, um, if you like, a moral perspective, a nice thing, but also from an economic perspective, uh, that some types of consumption are better than others to encourage uh, modern economic growth. Mm -hmm. Although the Chinese economy faces some difficulties and challenges, we're looking forward to see the economic performance gradually improve in the second half of the year. Thanks to all of our panelists, Dr. Zhou Mi, Senior Research Fellow with the Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation, Dr. Yao Shujie, Chang Kong Professor of Economics at Chongqing University, and Dr. Ila Falad, Associate Professor of Practice in Economics at New York University, Shanghai. That's all the time for this edition of World Today with me, Anna. Thank you again for joining us.